This meeting is being recorded. Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott. And today I am running solo here. My, my co-host, Coach Manchi, is uh, this weekend, he is at Georgia Tech, actually, uh, with Lewis Carella and Inky Johnson and um, Aaron Bowman and some other, some other people at the Georgia Tech Strength and Conditioning Clinic and Leadership Clinic. So Coach Manch is going to bring us back some good stuff for, for some of our future podcasts. And we've had Lewis on and um, incredible leadership. So a lot of good stuff for our young listeners. So today, we're going to have some fun with, with one of my favorite Badgers of all time. I've got my guy here, Monte Ball on. Monte, you there? I'm here, man. What's going on, Bob, man? I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. How you been? I've been great. I, I've been awesome. And, and, you know, for those of our listeners who – you know, maybe a little young. Monte obviously played in you know 2000, uh, 2010, and so on. Um, still, I believe holds the record for most touchdowns in a season, tied right with thirty nine. That's correct. Most touchdowns in a season, so that's in fourteen games for thirty nine touchdowns. Just to put that in perspective. Um, most games with two touchdowns in a row, he's got thirteen, which is you know ridiculous. And we'll even get to how much more ridiculous it is when we start naming some of the players he played with. I think, Monty, you also hold the record for most points scored in the season, right, with 236, and that's non-kicker. You know, those kickers get the cheap points, right? They get the right. you know, goal, <laughs> extra point and all that stuff. But, Monty, it's, it's great to have you on, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing, you know, not only football stuff, but life stuff with our listeners. Uh, you've got a lot of coaches, um, a lot of athletes on here. So maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your athletic career and stuff like that, and then we'll dive into a lot of stuff. But – let her rip, man. I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to talking with you today, bud. Absolutely, man. Well, again, I, I'm, I'm super stoked, man, to be here. Uh, so for those who don't know, yeah, I played from 09 to uh, 12 at the University of Wisconsin as a running back. Um, had the uh, fortunate opportunity, obviously, to uh, to be uh, coached in the weight room by this guy right here, Brian Bott. Um, it's funny, Bott. We still, uh, some of us guys were still in the group chat, right? James White, Melvin Gordon. Um, Darius Feaster, Nick, all the guys, and we still talk oh, about some of the strength stuff. Literally, literally two days ago, we had a conversation about how moving forward from our years in college, working out in that weight room, the stuff that you guys put us through, everything has been easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's good. Just when it comes to, uh, you know, going to the gym and people trying to compete with each other and stuff, and it's like, dude, you guys have no idea uh the good stuff that we were put through at the university of wisconsin with bot and the team there but um obviously went on to play um professional football with my uh favorite childhood team that being the denver broncos for two and a half seasons and then that was cut short um first off before we even get to the cut short part it was awesome it was a, it was a fantastic experience um had the fortunate opportunity of playing with uh, the all-time great peyton manning um right. played with a lot of great guys von miller um, some some really good guys that uh, you know I'll, I'll never forget those experiences. Played in uh, the Super Bowl my rookie year um, against my quarterback here in Russell college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I I'm still a little salty about that. That was a very poor performance by us in New York City against the Seahawks. But but honestly, I, I could not have written it any better. Right, um, eight years old, I wanted to be a running back for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Whenever I was drafted, I remember tweeting out a photo of me wearing a uh, Terrell Davis jersey. And, and and I think it just honestly, man, it's uh, when I look back on it, you know, if there was one thing someone told me that I had to say, like, what what's one sentence that I had to to say to kind of 
put it all into perspective to kind of just, you know, put a exclamation point on the end of the journey, football journey. Um, my thing is, I would just say uh, really one word, man, it's just manifestation, manifestation, just truly believing in what you are capable of doing and, and honestly believing in yourself and, and pushing yourself. Uh, there really is no limit. There, there really isn't. You can you can always work harder, get faster, bigger and stronger um, to, to accomplish what you need to accomplish on the field. So, I mean, it's been one heck of a ride, man. One heck of a ride. Well, and I think one of the best parts about that, too, is that we try and teach kids. You have to believe before you see results, you know, and like manifestation is a big thing. Well, I want to touch on Terrell Davis because that <laughs> guy, yeah. you know, I went to one Super Bowl and it just happened to be the one where he ran for, I think, four or five touchdowns against my Green Bay Packers. And, and cost, yeah. So that guy, but that guy was special, you know, and I think, you know, such a such a great yeah. tagline and, and things like that for you to, to to bring. But let's talk a little bit about when you were at Wisconsin, Monty. And, and yeah. I think one of the coolest things that I saw as a coach is, you know, at Wisconsin, it's, it's a little different. It's just a little different for people um, mm -hmm. because there's such a family-based, you know, orientation, family-based unit, things like that. Um, and in your room, at, at, when you were at Wisconsin, when we say your room, the running backs room, I mean, these are some of the guys that sat in that room with you, John Clay, James White, and Melvin Gordon, and you <laughs> in the same room. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and we're talking about, you know, for the best, you know, maybe seven or eight to ever play at Wisconsin in one room, sitting there together. So, you know, I, I saw it, but you guys had such incredible relationships with each other. You know, um, talk a little bit about that. I mean, how you guys were able to cheer for each other because like high school kids sometimes don't see that. They worry about their time, hmm. you know, and, and I, I, you know, we're not gonna be stupid, you know, when, when it was time to score a touchdown, I think everyone, everybody wanted the ball. There's no, you know, you want to be the guy to push it in the end zone. But there was never like a, a, a negative feeling towards James or John or you or Melvin when, when they scored. It was, man, you know, it's the running backs, you know, type of thing. So talk a little bit about that because that's it was really special to see. Honestly, yeah. And, and I, I think it speaks volumes um, about how our camaraderie was then um, by how we, we still talk now. Right. We're talking we're talking 10 plus years after the fact um, and we're still extremely close friends. But um, those moments, man, again, I'll never forget them. And, 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 and looking back on it, yeah, the talent that I was surrounded with, honestly, I don't think that I would have been um, deemed whatever they're deeming me, a legend, great, whatever, you know, uh, at Wisconsin. I don't think I would have ever done what I did if it wasn't for the folks who were around me, that being John Clay, Melvin Gordon, James White. I mean, we're talking about some guys here who, who dominated right. in, at, in their high, at their high school program in the entire state where they came from and, and came to play at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And that competition off the bat was already through the roof, right? Um, we're talking about John Clay, a guy who was 232, excuse me, 240, 250, right? just dominating defenses. Like he could get out run too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and most definitely could run. He's, he, he had some legs on him for sure, and that's the thing is where when I came in as a freshman, I didn't get a lot of uh, playing time because I, I had to still develop. I still had to learn. I still had to adjust to the speed of the game, but I was fortunate enough to to sit back 
and watch John Clay, learn from him, watch what he did, watch how he performed, watch how he got ready for games. And that uh, obviously got me to the next level. And then this young cat comes in from Fort Lauderdale, from St. Thomas Aquinas, James White, and rushes for a thousand yards his rookie or his freshman year. In the Big Ten Conference, yeah. I mean, w- I mean, what, what are we talking about here? We were talking about some players who came in with a mission, and 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 honestly, did what they expected, do exceeded expectations, honestly. And so for me, it was just wonderful to be in that environment. And for us, there was no animosity because we understood each other's roles. Um, we understood what each of us could bring to the table. We understood where we fit in the system. And we had a great relationship, obviously, with our running backs coach as well. And so for so for those high schoolers out there who, who, again, yeah, you're focused on obviously getting your reps, right? You need your reps. You need your tape, right, uh, right. to get to the next level. You, you, you need your stats. We all understand that. Um, you just got to work harder. You just got to work harder and, and keep that healthy competition between one another. But also, you just got to understand that there is a spot for you. There always is a spot for you. If you are truly manifest, manifesting what you want to get done, if you're truly working hard, somebody's going to find you. And so then fast forward, we get this guy coming in from Kenosha, Wisconsin, Melvin Gordon, dominated in the entire state of Wisconsin, just like John Clay, came in and hit the ground running. I mean, so we're talking again, myself, Melvin Gordon, who is still performing well in the NFL, James White, who arguably is going to go down as a New England Patriot Hall of Famer, like for for their football club, right. one of the best players. Should have been ever a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, as we all let's be realistic, it, you know, even exactly. Yeah, he's going to go down as one of the greatest players to ever wear a Patriots helmet. Um, honestly, I do not think that I would have been able to dominate the way that I did if it wasn't for those folks around me, because. I didn't want to give away my position. So I had to keep exceeding goals. I had to. And, well, and, and, yeah. and to my, it's like, it shows that, hey, when you get a chance, you got to make the most of it. You have to. You have my to. Goodness. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think well, Badger is, fans, yeah. <laughs> Badger fans need to just step back a little bit. Because I think sometimes, you know, and, and now being in a fan, but being a fan of the team and programs and stuff like that, but also understanding what goes into the day to day. I think fans need to take a step back and realize how, I don't want to say spoiled, but how blessed Wisconsin fans. When you start to look at, you know, you take a few years back, you got a guy like Brian Calhoun, who's been on our podcast. Then you got, you know, PJ Hill, who was in there, who was a good back. And then you got John and you got you, then you got James, then you got Melvin. And then you got this young cat who I didn't get to work with, you know, Jonathan Taylor, who's now like setting the world on fire. And oh, by the way, now we got this kid who was 17, you know, who's, I mean, they just keep coming. And and Wisconsin fans, you know, sometimes I start to complain about the offense, but, you know, we got, you know, we got a a secure way to win football games. And that starts with you guys in the backfield. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those guys up front. You know, I got to pull a little love for those guys up front. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, that, um, was, that was, I mean, without without the work that you did with those guys up front, I'm telling you, man, uh, I, I know that I performed well. I most definitely did. But I always, I, I have to give credit to the O-line I, that some of those holes were massive. <laughs> massive. And they love, well, they, and they love blocking for you guys. That was the, the yeah. best thing, right? Because there was just a reciprocation of yep. appreciation for how hard you guys ran 
and how hard they work. Um, you know, that goes kind of when you were in college, Monty, right? You, you went through a little phase where, you know, you, you really hit your nutrition harder. You know, you lost a little bit of weight. Um, you yeah. popped up on your speed a little bit. Talk about, you know, kind of from a mindset standpoint, um, how you went about that and, and just, you know, why your mentality changed from being more of a bigger back to more of like, you know, I want to catch the ball in the backfield. I want to be more versatile type thing. Just talk about that a little bit because that it made a huge change in, in the way you played. It definitely did. Yeah. So again, my, my freshman year, I, what, probably finished the season with 50 carries, maybe 60, maybe I barely got any playing time. So going in to my sophomore season, um, for the first half of my sophomore season, same situation, right? Same situation. I was behind because again, James White comes in, rushes for a thousand yards. This guy's killing it. Um, and John Clay was still there too. So I actually fell down the depth chart and became the third running back. Um, at the University of Wisconsin. Um, but obviously a situation happened where both got injured and uh, when we were in Kinnick Stadium in Iowa and I had to step up and make plays. And just like what you said, Bob, right? When that opportunity presents itself, you got to take off with it because that may be your only shot, honestly. Um, went on to dominate the rest of the season, played against TCU in the Rose Bowl and lost. Now going into the summer of my 2011 season, junior season, I had enough tape on myself, right, to, to, to watch how I was obviously the, the, the lack of explosiveness to the whole, um, how I'm making my reads, why am I late to this read, et cetera. So I knew that I, actually, I had to make a change. At that point, I was 232, 233. Um, so I knew I had to make a change. Um, so honestly, it was, it was something that I really, after watching probably two to three weeks of tape, it was something where I just woke up one day and said, screw this, man. I, I got to drop some pounds. Yeah. I'm not explosive enough. I'm not. Um, so what I did was I obviously focused on what I was putting in my body, the nutrition wise. I was eating healthier, um, drinking a significant amount of water and just making sure that I was putting the right stuff in my body. But I was also going above and beyond and, and going that extra mile, literally um, and figuratively by we would finish our workouts at the stadium, summer conditioning, what have you. And then I'll also run two miles right after that. Sure. Run back home or I would take my moped home and then run from my home two miles in, in destination back at home. And so that was something that I felt that was going to give me that extra edge. It's always about finding that extra edge. And that's one thing I always talk to high school athletes about is it's up to you. You have to figure out where that is. What is that extra edge? Where is that for you? How are you going to work harder than the person you're competing with this summer, right? The work, obviously, more work happens during the season, but the real work happens off season, right? Where, what are you going to do? Where's your edge? And so for me, I knew that I had to find that edge. And so I would run a lot. I would lift heavier. I would make sure that I focused a lot more on the reps that I was doing in the weight room. I wasn't just going through the motions. I was starting to really understand what these lifts, what type of lifts and, and how they were corresponding or correlating to, you know, my explosiveness on the field. And so honestly, I just became more of a student of the game. Right. And, and, and obviously with the nutrition and the working out helped as well, but that obviously propelled me to my 2011 season. Obviously Russell Wilson helped of course, but yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that you know, shot me out of a cannon to being more versatile, right. I, I had more wiggle in my hips. I had quicker feet. I, you know, was getting more passes thrown at me from the backfield because I was able to 
you know, get that wiggle, shake somebody in a phone booth and, and get an extra, a few extra yards after that. And so for me, it's just that the work that you do during the off season, I'm not going to say it's more important than what you do in training camp and, and obviously the season, but is it is extremely important what you do during the off season and how that's going to play a big factor and in, 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 into how you play during the season. Well, I think a great message that I take from what you just said is you self-evaluated yourself and we're your, yeah. your hardest critic, you know? So a lot of times athletes don't want to do that, you know? And we always talk to our athletes is that, you know, you can, you can fool everybody. You can't yeah. fool that person looking at yourself in the mirror because when you start to truly self-evaluate yourself and find you know, it could be for anybody, whether it's, it's sports, it could be in life, it could be relationships. When you mm. self-evaluate where your holes are, it allows you to, to start working on it, but it also motivates you to do it because you're your hardest critic. You know, you, you have to be when you're real with yourself. And I think that's a great message for young kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, look, think about it. Think about Again, I'm not. Uh, think about all the greats. Think about the Tom Brady, the Michael Jordans, the the Venus and Serena Williams. The they are. Everybody can agree that they are their hardest critics. Why? Because fans, just like you stated at the beginning of this podcast, right? Fans can can become spoiled. Fans can, yeah. and that spoiledness can can you know, it could be complacency in a sense too. Oh, they're doing just fine. They're just fine, right? right? But you have to be your hardest critic, right? If you want to be the greatest at what you are doing, then there is no ceiling. There's no cap. You have to keep going. And obviously, you know what you're doing during the offseason. You know what you're doing behind closed doors. And if that's going to help you on the field, the court, the swimming pool, what have you, you have to become your hardest critic and be honest with yourself. That's a fact. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, okay, Mont, so we get done with college, right? We head to the NFL. Yeah. Um, maybe tell everybody just real quick, kind of the differences between playing college football and playing in the NFL. Oh my goodness. I mean, the thing is, uh, obviously once you get from the collegiate level to the professional level, as we all know, right. The, you know, what meets the eye is obviously it's, it's a bigger stage. There's more people watching, there's more cameras, more flashes, more, more, what have you, all that is there, right. We all know that, um, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest change, two biggest changes, right, um, that I experienced once I played um, in Denver is, um, one, the expectations are, as soon as you walk through the door, the expectations are extremely high, yep. extremely high, as they should be, um, right, because you were drafted or you were not, whatever, you, you're getting an opportunity, right, so they, 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 they believe in you, so the expectations are high, um, and you, you better meet them and exceed them, and two, um, a lot of people believe that the players are faster and bigger and stronger in the NFL. Obviously, some are obviously a lot stronger. Um, for me, one thing that shot off the charts for me uh, that was extremely noticeable for me was it is OK. There may be slightly faster, but it, they're smarter. Sure. They're smart. They have so much more experience. I mean, this linebacker that I'm lining up against, right, pre-snap, he has seen this formation over 10,000 times. Sure. In his in his lifespan, a football span. Uh, right. I mean, so they're they're faster to the hole. They're faster with their reads. Right. Because obviously, again, they've seen this formation thousands of times, but also they're watching film film. I'm telling you, if you believe that you're watching a lot of film in high school, you're going to watch a lot more in college. 
If you sure. believe that you're watching a significant amount of college, you have no idea how much film you're going to watch in the NFL. Why? Because they've invested in they've invested into you. They don't want to hurt you on the field, but they expect for you in that classroom to be in there for hours on end, learning the different formations of the team that you're about to play, learning who that person is, right? We had to not only know the names of the linebackers, we had to know what their triggers were, know what their twitches were, know what they 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 weren't that good at, know what all of that stuff, right? You literally have to study the game. And so when I had the opportunity to go to Denver and play in Denver, um, it, it was a remarkable experience, uh, something that, again, I actually can't write that story if I even right. tried to. It, it, it was a wonderful opportunity, but again, something that I've always wanted to do, man. Something that I always wanted to do. That's awesome. So <laughs> now we're going to talk about some a little tougher times, right? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. And, and the, the, the precursor to this is a lot of times I think, you know, people want to kind of stay away from discussing the hard times they've had and things like that. Wow. But that's what that's what molds us, you know, yeah. and, and I see, <laughs> you know, uh, that's molded you and what you're doing. And so you went through some pretty tough times in your life and you've really battled with alcohol. Yeah. Right? And, and it's a problem in our communities and our society with young kids and, and and athletes and and things like that. So maybe, you know, take us down that road a little bit. Of course, you know, you know absolutely that road. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I appreciate Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the uh the precursor there. But again, uh I'm an open book. I'm yeah. I'm I'm not in the sense that I'm proud of what I've what, I guess, yeah, I'm proud of where I'm at today. If if you put everything in the context of what I was you're proud of you're with. proud of what you've overcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Alcoholism is is obviously it's not something that I wanted to battle my right. life. It's not it's not a box that I checked at age eight, uh, knowing that it's something that I have to, to battle from age 18 to 25. Um, but yeah, I, I struggled a little bit with alcohol in college. Um, coming from a smaller town in uh, Missouri um, to Wisconsin, and, and even more specifically, obviously, the Madison area where the college is at, right? It's a university, a big university, well known across the world. Um, alcohol is, is something that a lot of the students, if not all the students, partake in uh the parents as well um so for me it was a cultural shock at the uh, at the beginning right i was like wow they're you know i'm seeing grandparents in the bars after the games i'm seeing parents i'm seeing uh, just people who i would never expect to be engaging in um this sort of camaraderie in sure. a sense um because it's not something that i was familiar with growing up in missouri um but for me, it was a cultural shock, shock in a sense. Um, and it was obviously something that I experimented in um, throughout my time in college. And I always say this too, I almost wish that I didn't excel as much as I did in college so that I could have saw the red flag. Um, because my junior season in 2011 was the season where I scored the 39 touchdowns, but I struggled the most with alcohol. Um, and it, it's, there was never a sign that said, okay, you need to stop drinking because I kept performing better and better. And, and my message here is, is not that alcohol is okay to drink uh, it, 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 or to experiment in. And, and no, it's most definitely not. Obviously it's something that you have to obviously talk to your parents about. If it is obviously, if you're over the age of 21, um, make sure that you're comfortable 
But for me, it was just something that I most definitely should not have messed with because I knew that my father was a recovering alcoholic. I knew that my grandfather struggled with it. So I knew that I had the gene. I knew that. Um, but obviously, fast forwarding from college, getting drafted to Denver, that is where it really hit me. And it wasn't just alcohol, right? It was depression as well, too, because the alcohol, the self-medicating comes after the fact, right? I was self-medicating because I was struggling with severe depression. Um, and obviously, being a kid, you, you don't know you don't know what depression is, right? I didn't know who to speak to. I didn't understand what it was that I was struggling. I didn't understand why some days I just wanted to lay in bed for 14 hours, right? I didn't know why some days I didn't want to get out of bed or, or some days why I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't know. I just thought it was normal. And so while I was in the NFL, um, again, the life's temptations are bigger. Life's pitfalls are bigger, and there's more of them. Um, obviously you have a little bit of money, so you, you got a lot more financial freedom to, to, to make decisions for yourself. And I was making very poor decisions for myself. Um, at that point, I wasn't taking care of my body. Not at all. I, I, I was putting the wrong things into my body. I was not drinking enough water. I was not, um, giving my brain, body, and soul enough time to recover during our days off. Um, because I was too busy partying on our days off, um, and then going into practice not performing right well at all right so the alcohol the depression and the alcoholism um honestly pointed me directly and led me directly to the tearing of my groin um my second year in the nfl because again i was not taking care of my my, my muscles were dehydrated right severely dehydrated um tore my groin tried to come back seven weeks after that tore it again um in st louis when the rams were still in st louis um and again i wanted to come back for that game because my family lives in st louis area still okay. toward again and that was the last time that i played um a a in-season game um ironically right back at home back at home uh, back at home <laughs> um and i think you know alcohol size and that's just a great message about hydration that we preach to our kids oh, all the time that yeah you know what I mean? Mm. That that injuries occur, you know, you're more susceptible to injuries when you're dehydrated. And I, you know, I'm not trying to go off topic, but I mean, that's, that's a big thing. You know, people, you know, want to overlook nutrition and hydration and alcohol and other things you put in your body that affects your performance. Oh, you know? And <laughs> especially for athletes, right? You go out, you have a big win um, and you go out and you drink all night or, you know, you party, things like that. Yeah, you feel bad the next day, but that has lingering effects going into the next week and compounding, compounding, compounding on that. That's why guys break down during the season sometimes because they don't have a Absolutely. handle on that stuff. You know, Absolutely. all that stuff matters. But, you know, um, you've been sober now for over six years or six years in August, correct? Yeah. One second, Bob. I want to I want to address something. Just, just, yeah. Just, I just want to make sure that I give the right message, what I stated earlier about me not seeing the red flags while I was drinking. My message in that moment is that it will eventually catch up to you. That that's that's what it is. It will eventually catch up to you. So to the athletes out there who are experimenting and whatever it is that you're experimenting with, if things are going fine with you right now, it will eventually catch up with you. I can promise you that. Yeah. I promise yeah, you that. Because always, no matter how good you are at, at this moment, right? There's always a next step that you have to get to. And exactly. next step, you know, like you said, <laughs> high school to college. You know, there's more focus on the little things. You move from college right. to NFL, 
Well, it's like investing in the stock market. It's at, at, to a certain degree, people are investing their money into Literally. player, professional players. And so when people don't understand, you know, these owners and these, you know, the people, these are business, yeah. owners, you know what I mean? And so at the end of the day, professional sports is, is a business. I mean, because yeah. people are investing money to pay players, pay coaches. Um, and so if you're not performing, all right, that's when people get released. But at the same time, if you're, if you're cutting your own legs off is essentially what you're saying. You cut your own legs off. Yeah, I did. Not because yeah. you were good enough to play. You were good enough to play. But because of some of the choices you made, you you literally, like figuratively and literally cut your own legs off. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's why that's why I'm so open about the story. And yeah. I've never, and everybody can Google it or what have you. I don't blame anybody. Uh, there's no blame to be pointed at anyone. Um except for myself, but it's not so much of a blame, right? It's, it's, it's more so of a ownership. Um, ownership. Yeah. That is exactly what it is. Own it, own yeah. it, own it. I was, I became a very angry person. Yep. Um, very angry. I was angry towards every single body who was around me um, because I could not swallow that pill that yeah. I was drinking myself out of my dream. And I think the <laughs> thing that people in the world need to realize too, like, and you probably realize that's probably why you started getting it. Nobody felt sorry for you. No. And the thing that, <laughs> that our culture is promoting is, you know, you know, feel sorry for me, the, the false victimization stuff that's in our culture. No, people don't care like about the bad things that happened to you. What they care about is what we're going to talk about next month is how you overcame it. And you yeah. faced adversity and now you've overcome it. And so back to what I was saying, you know, you're sober now almost six years. Yeah. August, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, does it get any easier? Does it, has it gotten any easier for you? And you know, there's no, no. yeah, right. It, it, it hasn't, but it, that doesn't mean that it's, that it's getting even harder. Right. Um, it, it, it just means that again, you go from, we're talking, if we're talking sports here, this analogy here, where we're going from high school football to college football, right. It doesn't, doesn't get any easier for you. It, it obviously it's going to get harder for you. But again, but if you are doing the right things, if you're crafting your tools, applying those tools, adding more tools, then you're going to be prepared for that next level. For me, I use what I learned from you, Bot, in the in the weight room. Right, my muscles. I need for my muscles to get bigger so I can get stronger, so I can get faster, so I can have better twitch muscles. I apply that to my sobriety. Right, I'm learning. It's a journey. There is no ceiling. There is no cap. I have to continuously craft my tools, continually craft and, and add people to my life who are going to support my recovery, delete people from my life, remove people from my life who are not supportive of my sobriety. I have to continue to go to AAs to learn more about other people's stories. Maybe I'm going to grab something from their story, a tool that they use from their story to help me, right? Maybe a hobby, maybe something that they do that's going to help me. I'm continuously learning, reading more books, just to understand what the process is. You know what I mean? Because it's hard to, it's hard to really swallow that pill that this is something that you are going to have to fight against your entire life. Because you know, your entire life, what is my entire life? Uh, till 90, till 32, till 40, I don't know. But again, it's just something that what I take from what I learned on the field is what's helping me in my day-to-day -day today. There are going to be days where I want to pick up a bottle and drink. There have been days where I wanted to drink. There have been days where I wanted to not do that extra rep, that extra cross field, 
plenty of days with that. Right? <laughs> there are days that we didn't want you, that we want to give you the extra cross field. <laughs> but again, it's that it's it's that voice in your head, man. It's that it's that what are you saying to yourself? That voice in your head that we would hear, no, I don't feel like doing that extra cross field. No, you know, screw that. I'm gonna do it. If I collapse, I collapse. You know, I'm most likely not gonna collapse, right. but let's see if I do. When I feel like drinking, right? I, I obviously don't go and pick up the bottle and drink it, but I tell myself, you know what? I'm getting that urge. I don't feel like leaving my house, but screw it. Let me go walk around the lake. Screw it. Let me go to the library and just go pick up a book. I'm just going to go do something just to get my mind off of it, just to kind of quiet that voice, because that voice is not something that I need to be listening to, just like when you don't want to do that extra cross field. So again, it's a journey that I have to embrace, and that's what I'm enjoying. And I think, you know, we I just did a post on our, on our Sports Advantage Want to Keep we do a wisdom Wednesday and yeah. the message I put on there was do it anyway. So like when you don't yeah, feel, that's feel like going, <laughs> do it anyway, when you don't feel like drinking extra water, do it anyway. Um, you know, when you don't feel like pushing that bottle away, push it away, do it anyway. Right. Do it anyway. You know, you know, what's right. You, and like you said, you have that, you know, it's like angel and devil, right. That we see oh, in yeah. cartoons, right. Take that devil and throw way and and just you know whatever you know and you we know what is going to help us and benefit us and right. Right, the people that are most successful do it anyway you know when they exactly feel like it and that's when you feel the most gratified right you probably have been like some days you know whether it's training or anything when you don't feel like doing it and you go do it that's athletes and coaches when you you know coaches when you don't feel like reading 10 pages a day and you just sit down and you're like you know what i'm trying to develop i'm doing this that's when we feel the most gratification. It's like, I didn't feel like doing it, but I got better today. Um, so that's because you feel it. Yeah. You feel it, right? Once you, Passion. once you finish the last set of stadium stairs, right? When you didn't feel like even showing up at all and you finish that, you feel, you could almost, it's almost tangible, right? Like, wow, I just, I just improved. Right. I just improved. Right. Because as we all know, right? You're a strength coach. I'm a former player. We know it's, it's, 90% of it is, is your, is your mind. Yes. It, 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 it's your mind, right? 10% is showing up. 90% is, is, is like how, what where you, you at mentally? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's just, I mean, that's a great message. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a choice, you know, you can show it's up, and work hard. you can show up and not work hard. You can choose not to show up, you know? And so everything is so many things comes down to choices in your life and it's just yeah. doing the right thing, you know? Um, you know, and, and so on, I know you speak to groups, which yeah. I mean, you're giving back and you're educating and you're, you're doing, you know, more than your part. You know what I mean? I'm going to say that, you know, and I know you feel like you're probably doing what, you know, but you're doing more, you know, to educate and to help and to bring awareness. Yeah. Okay. And so, which is awesome, but I want you to, you know, for the next couple of minutes, for our listeners that, you know, somebody, you know, somebody's listening, that's probably struggling with something right now. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's depression, whether it's anything like that, you can be completely real with them, you know, without bad language. <laughs> what would you say one-on-one -on -one to someone that, 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 that wants to hear you, hear your message? Oh man, this, this is, there's so many different messages, right. That I can say to somebody, but if I had to pick one, man, um, if I had to pick one, right, is 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 you've been trying so long to to correct it or to to 
I hate saying correct because it's it's not an incorrect manner. It's not an incorrect way. You're not broken, but right. you've been trying so long to 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 get better on your own, and and it's not working. So you have to reach out for help. You have to. You you, you are not expected to do this alone. That's my message. You're not expected to do this alone. You're not. The best part about that, that's what being, that's what being an athlete's about. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, you know what I mean? Everybody's got to do it together. You know what I mean? And that that's, a, again, which is awesome. Like our athletes and coaches, listen, just listen to that. Because that, yeah. he's talking about life, but he's also talking about what it's part to be a part of a team. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. do it all by yourself. You can't, you know, it takes more than just one person. It takes more than 10 people. Um, that's an awesome Dude, I'm, brother. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it's not, it's not cliche. This is not I, what I've learned on the field, in the weight room, in the classrooms, uh, just doing the monotonous things daily, grinding, grinding every single day, right. Has really helped me out in my recovery journey. I'm not exaggerating when I say that, um, it, it, it there's a strong correlation with with it right when i go to these meetings when i go to these AA meetings or when i meet new folks who are in recovery right it's that brotherhood or it's or obviously or if it's women right it's it's these people who i understand when you're looking at the other running back in the meeting room or you're looking at the other linebacker lineman whatever position you're in and you're looking at that other person in that room it's like i understand what you want right right i understand what you've gone through the sweat blood and i get it right I know what you want to bring to yourself and to your family. And so when I'm here sitting in these meetings, I, I look at these folks and I'm like, I get it. It sucks, right? This is not the this is not the hand that we wanted to 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 be dealt. <laughs> but but we're not expected to do it alone. So we lean on each other. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Mon. So <laughs> the, the the title of our podcast is Get Your Edge. So for the athletes mm. out there listening, um, if they want to get a competitive advantage over their competition. Give, give them one, one Monte ball tip to get, get a competitive edge over, over your competition. Study your competition. Oh, Study yeah. your competition. Love it. Study your competition. In order for you to obviously gain that edge over them, you have to know who they are. Know who they are. Study them more than they are going to study you. That's how you gain your edge. And obviously, become your own hardest critic. That was something that I lived by. Yes. Once I began to excel. So I'm gonna give two things. Uh, That's great. Uh, before I began to really excel, as we stated earlier um, in, co- in college, I became my hardest critic. The games where I would score three or four touchdowns, even my running backs coach, we would fast forward past the good stuff, fast forward it, past the good explosiveness to the whole great cut, great spin, great juke, great stiff arm, good stuff. What were you doing here? <laughs> on the, on the, on the stuff that Oh, you know, it was Coach Hammock. Yeah. On the stuff where I didn't do so well. What were you doing here? Why didn't you finish right here? What were you doing? And so, again, during practice, we were finishing 40, 50 yards down the field after every play. You know it. Gain your edge. Man, that is awesome. (laughs) 28, man, this this has been awesome. This this is true, man. (laughs) I I truly appreciate you coming on. I truly appreciate you being vulnerable and, and talking about. Um, some different things that some people, you know, don't want to talk about. Um, I know you're involved in some different groups and some different things. You want no. to share any of that stuff here real quick so people can check it out? Yeah, 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 yeah. So my website will be completed here real soon, but I have my own foundation, uh, Pathways to Recovery, or excuse me, that's what it used to be called. We changed it, the Path to Recovery Fund, Inc. 
Um, but what we do right now is we go into high schools um, and we have these many focus groups where we talk to students. Um, we'll go in with local providers um, who provide therapy. We'll talk, chat. I'll share my story, build up some engagement. And uh, our goal is to obviously create a bridge between the schools and therapy. Um, and so we have teamed up. I don't want to name them right now, but we teamed up with a pretty, pretty large organization throughout the entire state of Wisconsin. Um, their name is on the side of Camp Randall Stadium that's going to be helping us to provide free therapy for students in high school. Um, so I've been really focusing on that. Outside of that, man, just been, been living, man. Been doing a well. lot. I'm in school right now, finishing Good. up my degree that's and just uh, staying in my lane. Staying in my way. <laughs> well, um, you know, I get, I, I sometimes get emotional when I got guys I used to coach on here and I, I can't tell you um, how proud I am of you. Thank you, Bob, man. Thank I, you, man. I, you know, thank you. you know, some people give up and some people get going and, and you definitely, um, you know, got going when, when, you know, you face adversity and, um, you know, it's not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up. And you're up. And that's, I'm that's telling you, man. So exciting to see it, you know. And so, you know, again, for, for um, you know, for our coaches that are out there listening, you know, what our kids, our, our athletes, and, and just everybody in your schools and, and things like that have gone through the last two years, um, you know, if you're thinking that, that, that Mr. Ball would be a great person to bring in, you know, all of his contact info will be on our on the link to the to the podcast here, you can contact him, um, you know, and you'll get some really great information. So, Mont, anything else you want to say to our to our listeners? I, the last thing I want to say, man, is is thank you, and you got to give yourself some credit, man. Is is I'm serious. We still two days ago we had a conversation about you <laughs> in this group chat, just about obviously we we loved it, but we also we hated it as well too. Yeah. All the workouts, but yeah. a good hate. But without that stuff, man, I, I I tap into that today. And so, Bot, thank you, man. Well, you know, we got that reunion coming up there in September. I, I think did I did see that. So, Interesting. I, I hope that uh, you know, we should have a have a nice little time and uh, yeah. be a good group of guys. And you know, it's been you know so many great players and and people from those teams. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you. So that ends this episode. Get your edge podcast. Coach Banch will be back next week. We'll hear from him, and uh, we'll see you next time. Chop it!